Welcome to another episode of Thick and Thin, where ball is always life. I'm your host, Karthik, here with my co-host, Nitin. What's good, Nitin? You remember um, after that wave of surprising results at the start of round one, I went on this deep tangent about how uh, teams don't have you know home court advantage, which is a built-in four points, so the, the underdog is four points closer, yep. and we might see some more upsets. Well, right after that, the Lakers absolutely trounced the Blazers, <laughs> the Clippers ma- handled uh, the Mavs, and the Bucks handled the uh, Magic, which were the three series that we had you know, earmarked as, as uh, something to pay attention to. But now you go into round two and all of a sudden maybe this theory holds again because both the East top two seeds find themselves in 0-2 holes. Yeah, if a theory is going to apply 50% of the time, I'm not I'm not buying into it just yet. Um, I'm not sensing the uh, arbitrage opportunity. Huh? Isn't that essentially probability? <laughs> yeah. 50-50. Yeah. Um, but, hey, you know what? It's the second round. I think we'll get into it, but it's been extremely exciting, these first couple of games, even though we have two uh, 2-0 series. Yeah. Um, and it's only going to get better once we get the Lakers and Clippers involved. So I'm, I'm hyped, man. I think the rest of this week is going to have some fun games. Yes, and it's not the stage on where we're at right now. So tonight we're recording this at 10 p.m. Central. Um on Tuesday, on Wednesday night, so the Bucks just lost to the rap uh, to the Heat on an absolutely insane game that we'll talk about. And Game Seven is going on as we speak with the Rockets and Thunder. The Rockets are leading by five going into the fourth. That could go any which way. Um, you know, the Rockets blew a six-point lead in like 30 seconds on <laughs> on uh, Monday, so I would not put a full quarter past them. James Harden's already doing his big game, James. Um, Best impression, he's looked terrible, um, but they still have a five-point lead, so we'll go from there. But let's start with um, Milwaukee. I So Milwaukee, this was a prove-it year in every sense of the word, right? They had the best record in the year last year. They were the number one seed. They went up 2-0 on the Raptors in the conference finals before flaming out, losing all four. Uh, straight, and we heard a lot of buzz around everything that's wrong with Coach Bud. He can't make in-game adjustments. He doesn't do anything different from the regular season. And then the same went with Giannis, Middleton, Bledsoe, George Hill, everybody. It was the criticism that we've been hearing for a while. This year was supposed to be different. They pretty much brought back the same team. And now everything that we're seeing is the exact same situation we just saw last year, except it's happening one round earlier. One year closer to desperation with the 2021 free agency of Giannis. So, you know, this series is a long way from over. But where do you stand right now on what the Bucks should do um, moving forward in the series? And 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 what's been the biggest surprise to you or maybe not surprise of, of how they've played so far? Well, first thing I want to say is don't you feel vindicated? Both of us were early on the the doubting the Bucks train and um people thought we were a little bit we sounded a little too down on Giannis like yeah this dude won back-to-back MVP and here we are picking Luca and potentially Tatum over him um but it's not potentially anymore <laughs> so first I want to say that we're, we're kind of vindicated because we've been a little um low or skeptical skeptical I think is the better word I think the problem with the Bucks and what we're starting to see is I think it's it's not only the team makeup but it's it's coach Bud and uh, you think about the Eastern coaches left in the playoffs. You got Nick Nurse, 
Yep. Spolstra, Coach of the Year, Nick Stevens, yeah. and Coach Bud. And I honestly think Bud is probably the worst out of those four. And that's Without, not even there's no probably there. That's a that's a definite. that's a definite right. And so I think what's happening with them is they're they're simply getting out coached. I mean, there's a formula that they Bud ha- runs into the ground in the regular season. Great three point shooting team. Great team at defending the paint. They give up threes. And Giannis is just a force down low. And in the postseason, we see it time and time again. He's not getting the same calls. A team like the Heat, who play physical, who've got big wings, who can body him up like Jay Crowder, Jimmy Butler, uh, that's exactly who gives Giannis trouble. And he's not getting those calls when he barrels to the rim. And the other big problem I see with Giannis is he's he's not comfortable still in these late-game situations. Like Every now and then, he'll step back for a three. He'll do a he, he had an unnecessary euro step today at the end of like towards the end of the game and he got fouled he got called for the foul but it looks so clunky and awkward like it's kind of like when you're playing 2K and you're just spamming euro step even though there's like <laughs> not the right time to do it um, and, and if so your player you know, is just high enough rated he'll somehow put it in which is essentially what you're counting on with you it's what Giannis is counting on for himself basically exactly and so I think a lot of the problems boil down to Giannis and late game situations because a really good team with a really good superstar, they're going to win more often than not when you're in a close, tight game at the end. I think that's like that's what happened with Jimmy Butler in the Heat. And Giannis hasn't shown that extra gear, and Bud isn't a good enough coach, and the team isn't good enough in the postseason to make up for that. I don't think it's a Giannis gear thing, because that would imply there's some level of like effort. I just He doesn't have the toolkit that you need yeah. from your top perimeter player. Like, you can watch any amount of uh, the Clippers, right? Let's take the Mavericks Clippers where Luka is going off and and they're making a comeback. And it was in game six, I think, or game five. They cut it to like five from like 25. And Kawhi comes back in. And it's just over. It's literally over. It's like four straight possessions. He gets to exactly his spot. He either pulls up for a perfect mid-range jumper or makes the right pass. He's playing in total control at his own pace. And the Mavericks never had a chance after that. Giannis can't do that because he can't do the simple move of dribble, dribble, pull up. This is what we talked about. Like until you can do that, until you can truly get your own shot, you can't be the lead ball handler or the lead alpha scorer or, or um, you know, the, the, the primary responsibility on offense in the half court set. It's what held LeBron back earlier in his career. It's actually what kind of caused him problems in that Dallas series, right, where he couldn't play in the post. And he didn't trust his shot. And he just was relying on athleticism. And Giannis is actually in a very similar boat. He's not a good shooter. You know, he shot uh, – he took threes in the regular season, right? But it's easy to take threes when you're up 25 points. Um, when, the, when the going gets tough and things tighten up, he is not even remotely looking at jumpers, even outside the paint. He's essentially turned into Ben Simmons today um, where he'll dominate down low put up shots, drive to the rim, you know, the Euro step, spin move, et cetera. But if there's any type of wall or um, resistance, like Miami's been doing a great job of, like the wings you talked about, he has nowhere to go. It's either barreling into the player for an offensive foul, kicking it out for a turnover or bad pass, or basically throwing it up at the rim and hoping to get bailed out. Um, I think it's a significant problem when you talk about a two-time MVP and DPOI, which I'm I'm assuming he's going to win MVP this year. This puts him in really, really rarefied air, right? Things that only three to five players have done in the course of history. And so when you're talking about that, 
version of the regular season, Giannis, and you see such a different version in the playoffs, it is, I mean, to me, tell me if I'm overreacting. I am extremely concerned, not only about the Bucks this season, but whether he's a 1A you can truly build a title contender around. I, I think it is concerning. And, you know, before we get ahead of ourselves, they can still win the series. Should they cut him? um they can still win the series they're only down 2-0 but I think the problem with Giannis to me is look Giannis is a lot like Shaq I think that comp has been made before not necessarily their play style or obviously they play very different positions but in terms of you look at their regular seasons just dominant unstoppable forces extremely efficient you know the uh Gaudi scoring numbers and rebounding numbers but the problem is Shaq's dominance down low carries over into the postseason Giannis's game just like James Harden doesn't translate as well to the postseason for whatever reason and he's done it's been a couple years now and he hasn't really you'd hope that his shooting would have evolved a little bit more he would have come up with a couple more post moves he hasn't he's still the same player more athletically dominant but in terms of his skill set and tool set like you said it's not there yet and so that is worrisome because he's in his prime and he still has time to grow, but yeah, he's 26, I think. 25 this is the time you got to be like yeah. playing like that when you're the number one seed, back-to-back MVP. No and, Kawhi, you know, no LeBron in the East. Exactly, I, like there's no excuses anymore. Before you could have LeBron or Kawhi, and and I think the other issue, but like taking away from Giannis, the other thing I don't like about what the Bucks have been doing is defensively. Okay, we all know that their philosophy defensively is you. Protect the paint. You run at the shooters, run off the sh- three-point shooters, but you're not, you know, sticking too tightly to the perimeter. The Heat are just so comfortable. Like Tyler Hero, he's a rookie and he's a confident rookie, but he's looking so comfortable handling, um, pulling up for three. And yeah. I think they're just too playing way too soft in the perimeter. And with a team like the Heat, who've got shooters, you got to put more pressure on them. They did a good job on Jimmy Butler today, but they are not. Like, and that's where Coach Bud needs to change a little bit schematically. Yeah. Like he won't. I thought so. I thought today they were actually going to be much better off from game one where I felt they really missed Eric Bledsoe. Uh, you know, outside from Butler going for 40, I think Dragic had 27 and was almost equally dominant um, through stretches of that game. And I think with George Hill uh, starting, it kind of moves everyone up part in the rotation and suddenly you're not as deep so with Bledsoe back and I mean he's been in and out of the lineup so I don't know how much you can expect from him but I actually thought he played pretty well at least in the first half today and Dragic was still getting whatever he wanted offensively and like you mentioned Tyler Hero like Duncan Robinson I mean they're giving up wide open threes to the best three-point shooting team in the league and it is a very peculiar defensive strategy that ends up working for them I mean they've had two straight years of being the number one defense so you can't say it's a fluke at the same time, when you go against a team that has as many shot makers as the Heat do, even when Jimmy Butler's off or even when, you know, Duncan Robinson wasn't making a bunch of shots early in the game, there's other guys who can step up. They still have Kendrick Nunn, who's kind of working his way back. He hasn't really even gone off yet. Uh, Jay Crowder played well today. I, I think there's just – there's a lot of guys they can throw at the Bucks' wings on defense, and there's a lot of guys who hurt – the Bucks' defensive philosophy on offense. Yep. Um, and look, including the regular season, the Bucks have lost to the Heat four out of five times this season. This isn't a fluke what's happening. 
right? Like you said, yes, the Bucks can win. They're the best team in the league for a reason. But I thought they would respond similarly to how they responded in Game 2 versus Orlando. And I know the Heat are a much better team than the Magic are. I expected that level of intensity. And already you're seeing six and a half minutes in the first, Giannis is on the bench. No. It's like, what the fuck are you guys doing, man? This is essentially a must win. Are you going to beat the Heat four out of five times? Because that's what you need to win this series now. And, there, yeah, that stubbornness to to give these guys the same minutes and put them on the same restrictions as the regular season, just a, I, I don't understand. And even in the fourth quarter today, he, Giannis was playing. They pulled him out. Yeah, I get setting, sitting a player at the start of the fourth quarter. He was playing in the fourth. They pulled him out for a stretch, then put him back in. It's... I, I don't know. It, I I don't know what you do from Milwaukee because it, you're such a good team, but clearly I think a lot of the problem falls on Coach Bud, and you're not going to fire him, are you, after a season like this? But if they lose, I feel like some, there needs to be a big change because you have one more year. You have yeah, one, one more, more year. year. And knowing how this year went and knowing that next year when you add Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, you add another year of, of, of experience for the Celtics, it's not getting any easier, yeah. right? So – this was your year to get out of the East. I mean, of course it can happen next season as well, but you're, I mean, the clock is seriously ticking, especially when you consider that basically every formidable threat to sign Giannis has created cap space in 2021 or has a means to do so, which is, you know, the Warriors, the Mavericks, the Heat, um, even the Clippers, if they don't re-sign Paul George, are going to be able to create room. So there's a bunch of different opportunities. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things that I was watching today, I was thinking like Chris Middleton, for example, right? He was like a 50, 40, 90 guy, like just great, great regular season player. But the game speed is different, right? Like it's required, it requires more of you as an individual player in the playoffs to be able to get your own look when everybody is switching super contestedly or everybody's fighting over the picks in the ways that they didn't do in regular season. And Chris Middleton has size so he can get good looks, but it's all about like herky jerk step backs. Like he's yep. not getting around anyone. And when you're not getting around anyone and you're being guarded by guys of equal size, whether that's Jimmy Butler, Crowder, Iguodala, it's really hard to get good looks at yeah, the basket. You're not getting good looks. Yep. No. And I think a lot of their guys on their team are struggling with the same problem, right? Wes Matthews, like Corver, of course, is dependent on, <laughs> on, you know, screens and, and passes. But even outside of that, it's like, I'm not loving the ISO from Dante DiVincenzo. Like, I no. think I'm going to pass on that. So, um, and, and all their secondary guys, DiVincenzo, Pat Connaughton, have not played well. No. Um, but, like, that's why I don't understand. Good. Yeah, but Milwaukee, like, why don't they take Duncan Rob? Like, Duncan Robinson's great. Don't get me wrong. But he, you know, in the postseason, you got to take guys like that out of their element. And they haven't been able to do it. Miami is playing too free and loose. I mean, Jimmy Butler didn't have to do anything today. I mean, he did all the little things, but scoring yeah, I mean, wise, he was awesome. Just like on steals, on yeah. deflections. And like, you know, he guarded Giannis a couple times, like took that responsibility. And like, yeah, I mean, that's how deep this team is where he can go from 40 to how much did he finish with 10? I think um, with 12 or something. Yeah. So he can go from 40 to 12 and they're still able to win. Um, and, you know, we need to give the Heat credit. They are a very, very well-coached team. Um, them and the Celtics are the two teams that have remained undefeated in the in the playoffs. Yep. Um, they play hard. They play together. They have a ton of confidence. They're not scared worth a damn in Milwaukee. 
Um, and they're not going to be scared in the next round if they advance. And starts with Jimmy Butler, who's, you know, Omaline superstar, et cetera. But he found the perfect situation to just, like, build this cast around guys who want to ball and go as hard as he wants to go, which I think is his problem if you look at all the issues he's had in previous stops. Yeah, absolutely. And let the record show that I was the heat over the regular season was you my were lock. One of my locks of the so was the Kings, but you know, and not the counting that. No, no, no. <laughs> I had two locks of the century. It was the Kings over, which did not go well, but the heat. I was high on this heat team. And it really is the perfect situation, like you said, for Jimmy Butler. So, you know, now they've been playing so well. Let's say they do get past this um, Milwaukee yeah. team. Miami Boston is going to be would be incredible. Like a refreshed um, version of the, you know, Boston three party versus LeBron and Wade era. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, so I'd actually be excited about that the wings. Get it. Like Bill yeah. Simmons could just like jerk off about how many wings <laughs> were on the court all at one time. But. I mean, I don't even like I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because yeah, we're going to yeah, look yeah. like idiots just like we did two weeks ago when we were singing the funeral songs for all these teams. But um, speak for yourself. Yeah, fair enough. I was ready to crown Damian Lillard all of the awards. <laughs> um, but, you know, that would be a fascinating matchup, right? Because you yeah. really do have like wings that would all cancel each other out. And then I honestly think that you could give the advantage to Miami, who has Bam and who has like Dragic and. You know, anyway, I'm not going to get there yet. It'd be One a thing coaching I will chess say, match, too, which would be. Yeah, exactly. One thing I will say that's super interesting, and then let's talk Boston, Toronto, is normally, you know, I just mentioned the lower seed in both series is up 2-0. That's, that series is over in the in the real world, right, when you've won mm-hmm. two games on the road. Um, and. Now it's like, yes, technically you do still have to win four out of five, but it remains a neutral site. There isn't like the the crowd factor. There isn't like the the stadium getting hyped or having to travel to the road city and all those types of things. So I wonder if that changes anything. Yeah, I mean, and we've already seen a couple of teams come back from down 2-0 so pretty yeah. easily. So that's why you can't rule out any of these teams. It's yeah. not the same traditional formula we've used before. But uh, Speaking of refs... <laughs> or speaking of fans, I should say, <laughs> let's talk the refing really quickly at the end of today's yeah. game. What the yeah, fuck? Yeah. Okay, Jimmy Butler on that turnover where he threw it to Brooke Lopez essentially was fouled yeah. like a hundred <laughs> times on that play. Yeah, and he was literally getting slapped on his arm. They decided not to call it. Then, um, you know, he misses one out of two free throws. Yeah, Chris Middleton goes up. Just the most egregious. Three-shot foul. That's like a major, major issue. And meanwhile, we have the situation where they review every fucking call during the course of a game. The games take like 10 hours because of all the times they're looking at the screen. But somehow we can't look at that play. And then we come back. And I don't know. I think you actually thought this last play might have been a foul. But Giannis just, I mean, he puts his hand on Butler after the shot. They don't, he doesn't even move him or anything and they call two free throws with the time expired uh game over no I, I that was a bogus call as well i thought they should have called it just to even things out because look I, it was such an egregious call that they called on Dragic. like how else terrible. can you yeah people like his feet were under and i love doris burke calling out steve javi she was like i totally disagree and i think there's a fix in for the bucks now not a fix but obviously these refs know that when the game is tight you lean a little bit more Milwaukee because that is the team. Oh, yeah. That is your star power. 
And that's why that Jimmy didn't, they swallowed the whistle conveniently when Jimmy was getting hacked. And then obviously they, they then called the foul on Dragic. So oh, yeah. I think that was so egregious. They had to um, call a makeup call and, and that's what happened. So I'm actually okay with the outcome, but I totally agree with you in general. The officiating has been a train wreck in these final minutes. And some of these games are just going on and on. Um, and if there was fans, they're probably swallowing the whistle, right? Because if yeah. they called that last shot on Giannis a foul, like the, that ref would have gotten killed. In exactly. The exactly. That's that the, actually that's was called. So that, that one they're actually letting go. So suddenly we're in overtime. Um, similarly, if that game happened in Miami and they called Dragic for the absolutely ridiculous play about, oh, his upper body, lower body bullshit – Steve Javi has agreed with the actual call 100% of the time to the point that you could just create like an AI version of him. Yeah. It says the same thing immediately with the fucking mask on and you would never have to even pay for him. You could just use his likeness. Cause That's he's why they shouldn't the have a former thing. official. Like even I get why they do that because he knows the game, but they should have some more of an objective party looking at that and figuring it's it out. It's been a trend in uh I think it started actually in the NFL where they started hiring like refs yeah. to like sit on the sidelines or whatever and like judge what the calls were. Yeah. Um, wow. So it is tied 99 all with 350 to go. So I'm also, you know, just for everyone's context, I'm 16 seconds behind Nitin right now. So how are we going to watch the end of you this game? You know what we should that? do? We should watch this game and come back and finish recording. And we're back. Wow. <laughs> we have to pause on Toronto Boston because I don't know what the fuck I just we just watched. First of all, that last 350 or however much time was left when we took a break took about 45 minutes of real time with 19 straight mistakes by both teams and 50 flops combined. It was so sloppy. Oh, man, that one sequence with, like, the four flops in a row. You had Harden. You had Chris Paul. You had uh, someone else, too. Man. Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon, yeah. Oh, my God. It all ended the only way it could end with Lou Dort taking the series winner and getting blocked by James Harden. Well, he's – yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unbelievable. And, man, he's he's lucky that you know he had stepped out of bounds and there's more time put on the clock because if it ended with him trying to throw it off Harden's legs instead of getting another shot up, it would have been an all-time comedic moment. So, <laughs> you know what is funny? Like looking into this game, everyone was like, "Oh, Chris Paul built for the moment, etc." It's like uh, Chris Paul has good playoff stats, but he's had as many high-profile losses as Harden has. So I don't know that I would necessarily give the advantage over to him over Harden in the game seven. That being said, he throws up a triple double, 19, 12, and 11. Um, and meanwhile, Harden is four of 15, including one of nine. Um, mostly defended by Lou Dort, the new, the new Harden stopper who casually threw up 30 as well and took 21 shots. <laughs> If you told me that in Game 7 of a playoff series, the Oklahoma City Thunder would get 38 shots combined from Lou Dort and Dennis Schroeder, and they would have a chance to win it at the buzzer, I would have said there was a global pandemic that put the league in a bubble playing in Disney World in September. (laughs) Fucking crazy, man. Bubble basketball. 
Uh, it's wild, dude. Today, I think it's peak, peak bubble basketball with the crazy finish we saw earlier with Bucks Heat and now Thunder Rockets. Um, oh, my God. And we were watching on mute to try to, like, not in case one of us was half second above in front of or behind the other. So we couldn't figure out any of what was going on or why they yeah. were spending 10 minutes per play reviewing something. It was so confusing. If I, if someone who never watched basketball was watching this game, uh, I don't even know how they'd process what's going on. I None need to find out. Sense. I need to find out how much money I can put on the Lakers in five or fewer. <laughs> now you want the Lakers in five. Now I'm back. LeBron's the GOAT. I mean, why wouldn't uh, he win this series? So, let's talk about uh, – maybe we'll, let's start there. So now Houston no, – We uh, finally we have our Western playoffs second round set. It's about time. It took forever, but we have Lakers, Rockets, and Clippers, Nuggets. So yep. where do you want to start? Let's start Lakers, Rockets. Uh, the Rockets are fresh in my mind, and I'm ready to yell at them. Um they play a style that works for 45 minutes, and then whatever they're trying to do at the end of the games is a total disaster. <laughs> and this happens year in, year out with Harden. It happened with Westbrook and OKC, so he's now brought that over. And it happens with D'Antoni coach teams, too, dating back to the seven seconds or less Suns. And yep. so you have this collection of people who are primarily involved, and all they've been known for their entire careers is fucking up end-of-game playoff moments. And they're going up against the guy who never loses before he should in the playoffs. I'm taking the latter. Yeah, and you know the the other funny thing about that is um, the only reason they won this series was they're a more talented team. Like late game situations were a train wreck, like you said, every game. But when you're when you're that much more talented than OKC, things will work out in your favor. Yeah. The same cannot be said with the Los Angeles Lakers. Maybe you know the depth for Houston, yada yada, but. <laughs> you have Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Um, I, I don't know how they're going to stop Anthony. I mean, they played him decently in the regular season, I think. Uh, and the, the Rockets, I, I mean. So here, here's the path. If you had to chart one. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's likely. But Westbrook, you know, is now going to be playing basically his fourth game back, right? Um, post his quad injury, and he's hopefully going to get into a little bit more of a rhythm. Um, even tonight, he only played 34 minutes. He played decently. Um, so but, more than Giannis? <laughs> barely. Giannis still loves those per 36-minute numbers. He keeps trying to pump those up. Um, so so Westbrook has to go bananas, right? Because yep. the pace at which Harden plays, you could – in theory, try to slow him down with some combination of Danny Green and KCP. But with Westbrook, they don't have anywhere close to the level of athlete to keep up with him. Um, And obviously, it's not going to be LeBron, right? So their guard play has always been an issue. With Portland, it didn't matter because Portland was atrocious on defense and had no wings to speak of whatsoever. Houston has some wings, right? Covington, Tucker, Gordon. And they have probably a different type of guard to bother the Lakers. And I think Westbrook has to be, like, really special um, for them to have a chance. Harden's going to get his numbers, but I think Westbrook doing it in the flow of the game and being able to get to the cup early, especially when um, Lakers try to go small, uh, I think is going to be really critical. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how small the Lakers try to go or if they kind of stick with their big lineups and – 
Um, pound the Rockets into submission. And pound them into submission. So, I mean, the Rockets have done well against big lineups throughout the year. But the other the other thing is, you know, L.A. obviously can't – they just can't guard guards. And once again, you have two dynamic guards that you're going up against. I just – the path to, for Houston to win is just – it's just lights out shooting. And like you said, this is a formula that it's proven to be a good regular season formula, but it never wins four to seven games when yeah. you're evenly matched or pretty close in talent. Like I, it just has never worked. It, yes. it hasn't worked for the Suns, Like you said, it hasn't worked for this team. So I don't see them having a talent advantage. And so I don't, unless they go hot four or five games, they it's gonna be hard for them to win. Dude, I they can't go, go six, hot. But. They can't go hot four or five quarters. They're not doing that four or five games. Yeah. Like that's the thing people don't understand. Even primarily deep shooting teams. Let's take the Warriors. First of all, they had the two greatest shooters ever, maybe. So it's a little bit of an anomaly. But even still, their whole system was predicated on the strength of their defense as much as it was the offense. But the Rockets don't have a championship-style defense. They don't get a ton of easy, like, transition looks. They basically take threes just for the purpose of taking them rather than, like, in rhythm, open, good shooters. Like, none of that shit matters to them. Yeah, so it's a numbers game. They're it's a numbers game. Numbers. So they're trying to get to 55 threes, 60 threes. And, yeah, I mean, I guess that wins them some games if the guys make it. But when it's also the same dudes who are career 32 33% shooters, they're also going to be bouncing out, right? Like, even a guy like Harden is so streaky, who's a career 36, 37%. Tonight he went one of nine. I think game six he had something similarly terrible. Mm-hmm. And two of those games, and that's an immediate 2-0 deficit to the Lakers, who are going to be suffocating defensively, even if they can't quite keep up with the guards. The the challenge for LA is going to be that Houston is still much better defensively. And they've been pretty good defensively in the bubble. Um, and they're much better defensively than Portland. Uh, I think LA. I mean, the Lakers gave up that first. And actually, first, I haven't done my victory lap yet about the Lakers Portland series because I think it finished right after we recorded last week. Um, so all the Portland talk, all the hype. What did I tell you? What was the word I used, Nathan? Cute. You said cute. I said cute. cute. And yes, Dame didn't play the last game, but they got blown out the last couple of games. Didn't even belong in the same league as the Lakers. And that's what I'm always trying to tell people, man. LeBron is not messing around. He's not messing around. Um, and I don't think Houston's going to pose any. I think they'll win in six. The Lakers will win in six. That's my prediction as of now. Yeah. Um, but I don't think they're going to put up any real serious fight in this series. The the only encouraging thing, and I know OKC is not the caliber that the Lakers pose as an opponent but they are an excellent clutch time team and when they got into the playoffs they were able to play their best five-man lineup like way more than they did in the regular season and that was the best five-man lineup in all of basketball and so I think what was encouraging is that a game like tonight where Harden was terrible they were still able to win because their defense was way more locked in than it has been in the past and Credit to Covington, who played awesome tonight, especially on defense after he got torched in game six. Um, so I give him a lot of credit for bouncing back in a big way. You know, 21 and 10. He did miss one of two free throws at the end there. But aside from that, I thought he was you know, three steals, three blocks. That's big time from him. And he was active. I mean, so, he's what, yeah. I don't know who they're going to decide that, like, basically Covington and Tucker have to match LeBron and AD's minutes every step of the way. Um 
I don't know who's best to guard the other. I would probably put Covington on LeBron and Tucker on Davis since he's a little bit bigger and thicker. But that would be my play. And then honestly, as crazy as it sounds, I guess you could try to hide Gordon on on McGee or, or Dwight when he's out there. I don't know who, who guards them, but I'm not sure that it matters necessarily. I'm curious to see how Anthony Davis handles. Um, because, okay, look, P.J. Tucker – uh, even Harden, these guys are pretty stout in the post. And yeah. Kevin Durant, you know, the Warriors, um, latest Warriors Rocket series when Durant was playing, he sometimes they did a really good job when Kevin Durant tried to back them down. He, yeah. you can't gain ground on those guys. No. And so uh, I want AD to, I want to see how aggressive he's actually going to be because a lot of these big men, they they try a couple times, they can't back them down, and then they start settling for jumpers early. Yeah, And I think for the Lakers to win, he needs to continually beat up on them down low, not play to what the game the Rockets want you to play, which is we're going to be stout. We're going to try to force you outside and yeah. you know, beat you at, at that game. And who do they give up the looks to defensively, right? If they're going to keep McGee on the floor, or Dwight on the floor, they're not going to be chasing these guys all over the perimeter, right? So they're yep. going to sag off somebody to try to protect against Harden and Westbrook driving to the lane. So who are they going to give up those threes to? And if they can make them pay, that's that's basically the only way that they can really hurt them on when the Rockets are on offense. But I think Harden's got to be way better than he was in this series. Like he had a few good games and he had a few bad games. And I think he's got to just be awesome. Like if we're going to consistently talk about him as a top five guy – and he's been talked about that way. He has, I think, four or five top three MVP finishes at this point, right? There has to be something translating to the playoffs. As much as we crush Giannis previously, at least Giannis is active. He's engaged. He's producing just from a box score perspective. And Harden will have these playoff moments where he just looks like he's fucking invisible. Like he didn't even realize the game started. Everyone pointed to game six when he just like was backing away from the ball, essentially, those last couple of minutes. You can't have any of that. Like, it has to be him. Whether that's him generating off the drive and kick or shooting, step backs, whatever, you can't take a back seat. Like, he's the only guy that plays at the level of a LeBron or AD that the Rockets have, and that includes Russ. Yeah, I've in the past I've defended Harden because I used to think he got too much flack. But even tonight's game, man, the way he kind of handles that fourth quarter and – like you said, he's still he's using the same formula and spamming that formula, and it's not working. And he's incapable of adjusting. I mean, similar problems that Giannis has, honestly. It's that I don't know when this happened with Harden, but he originally, I mean, if you think about Harden just even a couple years ago, he's always been like a Ginobili type. He's crafty. He can get to the rim. He can shoot. Yeah. But now he's become a caricature of himself where he's just yeah. hoisting threes just – for the sake of, like you said, for the sake of hoisting threes. And then the driving, there's also not a – he's not really looking out to kick. It's He's just barreling into the rim and then last minute sometimes trying to find an open man. But it's not purposeful in the way he's he's it's driving. Like, so It's like if Game of Zones was making fun of how Harden played, except exactly, he's yeah. actually doing that in real life. So now they don't that's know a, how to make fun of him. That's a perfect way to describe it. So I don't know. That doesn't bode well. And I don't know if it's because Westbrook, he feels kind of some of that pressure is alleviated. And so he feels like he can just settle into this kind of a role more. But look, there uh, could be an age and just general athleticism factor, too. Right. Where before he was so much more comfortable. Dude, he used to yam on people like pretty regularly. You don't see that that much. He's obviously still excellent at the rim, excellent free throw shooter and draws a ton of fouls. So it's not a question of that. But he just I mean, I think he's gotten so comfortable. 
a little bit of a different type of analogy, but it reminds me of when Tracy McGrady got really comfortable with his three yeah. and started relying on that weight. Obviously, Harden's taking this to another dimension altogether, yeah. but Tracy like, is like, dude, go to the basket. Every single time you're at the cup, don't take these like step backs. I know mm-hmm. you can hit them, but but don't take these bad shots. And it's like part of that is also Maury Ball and D'Antoni's style and and also, you know, like you I said, mean, he, he can hit them. He can hit them, right? It's not yep. about that. It's just he's so too good of a player to rely on only that. You can't you can't go four of fifteen and one of nine from three in a, in a seven in game seven. I'm sorry, yeah. you just can't. Like if that was anybody else who were who were putting in this rarefied air, if that was Kawhi, Giannis, LeBron, AD, Luca, even I would I would judge Luca for that, even at the age of 21. So we have yeah. to. Provide you know Curry. Oh my God, Curry would just get destroyed. Um, oh yeah, on Twitter if he did something like this. And so that's that's the frustrating part. Um, all right, let's bounce to the other series in the West, and then we'll finish with Boston, Toronto. So uh, we did not do enough justice to Nuggets, Jazz. Firstly, um, I think the much- timing just was off because I think the last time we talked, it looked like the Jazz had the series in the back. The the um. Stats that came out of that series really broke basically like years of basketball history. Um, there's two players ever in league history that had 50 points twice in the same series. They doubled that up this series alone. Uh, Jordan in 88, Iverson in 01. Uh, Mitchell was the first player in NBA history to average 35 points a game on 50, 50, 90 in a series. Um, Mitchell also set the record for most threes ever made in a playoff series, and Murray was tied for second. And Murray scored 192, 142 points in a three-game stretch. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts on that series? Is I mean, Utah, I think, has some major questions to figure out about the Gobert-Mitchell fit. But anything that le- that you're kind of like leaves you feeling hopeful maybe for Denver – in this next series, or you think it's open yeah. and shut case? Look, this is one of those series where, at the end of it, both teams had a bad taste in their mouth. Um, Denver fans are already, I mean, done with Mike Malone uh, after going down 3-1. They did come back and, and win, but really on Murray's heroics. Uh, they got Gary Harris back, which helped defensively. Um, they played Defensively, they played a lot better, but he, he didn't make that many adjustments. It was simply a case of, Murray going hot, and then in the last game they got just enough from Jokic and everyone else to to yeah. put them over the top. So Denver, I don't think they come out confident. They, they're confident they have a superstar in Murray, and I think after that big extension, they're Which, happy that they have someone they can build around. Um, but I, I think there's still questions around that team, and I, the ceiling's clearly limited. I don't know how they're going to put up a fight against the Clippers. I think it might only go five. And then on the Utah side, my initial reaction is, we, we knew this was coming. I think we predicted it before. It's like with Bogdanovich out, it's going to be the Donovan Mitchell show. And it worked. It got them up 3-1. And Rudy Gobert had a couple of good games in there. But then towards the end, you start to see um, that you they can't go that far relying only on Donovan Mitchell. And the, like you said, the pairing, I don't know if that's the best pairing, especially late game crunch time situations. Um, the Gobert and Mitchell, it's not ideal so even though he played amazingly defensively gobert actually had a great series defensively but 
I don't know how far that team is going to go with those two guys as your best guys and no real weapons outside of them. So yeah. my takeaway is both teams are fucked. Kind of not fucked, but they have a ceiling. Their ceiling was clearly they both have to make major changes to like up that ceiling. And there may not be major changes <coughs> to be made, frankly. Exactly. Like short of signing like Kawhi, it's not like they can just suddenly elevate, you know, um, Michael Porter Jr. isn't going to be that guy. Like, he's going to be good. Is he going to be MVP level? Probably not. So, Murray, one of my first thick and thin moments was just crushing him, crushing the Nuggets <laughs> for that extension. And I stand by my point of I don't understand the logic behind that move um, in certain situations. He was phenomenal. Um, but this was after another lukewarm season that made me feel even better about my take. At the same time, let me read to you his seven games. 36 points, 14 points, 12 points, 50 points, 42, 50, 17. Therein lies the challenge with Jamal Murray. Now, his great was otherworldly, legendary, historic, whatever you want to say. But in a normal situation where those 50s and 40s, 40s are actually like 25s and 30s, but you still get the other end of it, right? The 10s, the 15s. That's the challenge. If he's yeah. truly going to be that 1B next to Jokic, he has to be able to do more consistently. Um, on the flip side, really, really impressed with Donovan Mitchell, another guy I've crushed in the past for being anointed too early, this next Dwayne Wade, all this shit. I didn't buy it. Last year, he, I think, had the lowest PER in league history for the level of usage he had in the playoffs. Yeah. And he comes back and he frankly, just shuts up all the doubters, including myself. And I think he is a legitimate star. And I think Murray's there as well, but I actually would put Mitchell higher um, on any type of like futures list or even for next season. The problem is, like you said, with Gobert, you're going to build an excellent regular season defense and an excellent regular season team. And then in the playoffs, there's so many instances where he can't, he just has too many limitations in the way basketball is trending. The fact that he played as much as he did in the series was because Jokic is a traditional center. If they had advanced and they started going, the Clippers started going small with with um, Harrell instead of Zubac, or even Morris instead of Zubac, they would have played Gobert straight off the floor. Yeah. Um, and that's a problem financially, as you think about committing to him on a supermax, which is what he's eligible for. Um, Denver Clippers is going to be very interesting in the sense that it's going to be a short series. Um, I don't expect either the Clippers or the Lakers to get much past five games, maybe six. Um, with the Clippers, I'm looking at Paul George and Kawhi, and Kawhi's the best player in the league. Uh, that much is pretty certain to me. I know you disagree, but I feel very confident about saying that right now, especially the best playoff player in the league. Yeah. And I'm trying to look up and down the Nuggets roster. <laughs> uh, Torrey Craig... Paul Millsap, Jeremy Grant, Gary Harris. That's who they're essentially going to be trying to use to guard these guys. And if what Mitchell did is any indication, I'm not sure they're going to have a lot of success. Yeah, I don't think they're going to stand a chance. Uh, Gary Harris is a good defender, but he's a little undersized for Kawhi. I think you might yeah. be able to stick him on Paul George. Uh yeah, I mean, we saw Kawhi at the end of that match. He was had a great series, first of all. Um, but when he needed a bucket, he got a bucket. It was a just 
mechanical in the way they did it. And the same thing is going to happen here. Like, I just don't see a situation in which it's going to be a close game. If it is a close game, um, they're going to get buckets from Kawhi. And, and Jamal Murray is now in a much tougher situation in terms of you have a lot of lengthy wings who can guard him. Now, granted, Luka went off against the Clippers, but I think Murray is a lot easier to contain than Luka because he's a little bit more one-dimensional. Um, maybe Beverly so, will finally decide that he wants to play basketball maybe again. Maybe Beverly will back. actually start playing uh, instead of chirping from the bench. <laughs> yeah. um, I, so I, I don't think it's going to be a, that much of a, a series. I, I do want to make one more point about Murray and Mitchell. Like, to me, these guys are Kyrie. And what I mean by that is, um, look, they're going to have limitations defensively. They're going to have some inconsistencies. They're not a true, true superstar like a LeBron, Kawhi, Kevin Durant. But I think what they've showed is that you can count them, count on them in big playoff moments. And if you surround them with a good enough team, uh, they'll come through in the playoffs for you. Like they are bucket getters. They can score at will. And they've shown that their ceiling is is very high. The, the worry with Mitchell and or the worry with Murray mainly was that, like you said, he ping pong between 10 and 25 point, 30 point games. But if you're ping ponging between 10, 15 and 50, like that ups the ceiling of your team considerably. Now he has to get more consistent, but I think that's a lot you can work with. So yeah, that's my last point there, but ultimately that's high praise. Denver, as yeah. much as I crush Kyrie, the shot making and the ball handling is almost yeah. second to none. Like from these the guys were position. just, we're so comfortable generating shots, hitting shots, um, and it, that's exactly the first comp that came to my mind. But in terms of the Clippers, uh, Nuggets, I think it'll be done in five. That's my official prediction. Um, all the reasons you said. It'll be interesting to watch Jokic in that series. Yeah, I was just about to say, like, Jokic on the Harrell-Kawhi pick-and-rolls or the Lou Williams-Harrell pick-and-rolls where he's not going to – like, Mitchell torched them for yeah. games with this play. And Jokic is just not athletic enough to be able to hedge and then get back on the roll. And those guys are deadly from, from the you know mid-range spot coming yeah. off the pick and roll. So that might be half their points, honestly, that exact play. Exactly. So. All right, let's finish up with Boston-Toronto. I, I think the West has pretty much shaken out to be, look, let's get to the real main course, which is Lakers-Clippers. Um there was like two seconds of pause of whether that we'd get that, um, especially with Luca going batshit crazy. Um, but KP's injury and other factors, I think, pretty much paved the way for the Clippers to get all the way to the conference finals and the Lakers as well. I, I will say this. There, before the playoffs started, there was some intrigue around Denver. Yeah. Um, once again, great regular season, even better than last year. You know, no one thought they were a serious contender, but could they make a little noise this year? And Houston, as we talked about, the highest ceiling team, not highest ceiling team, but in terms of between their floor and ceiling, uh, it wouldn't surprise too many people if they're able to make a Western Conference Finals run. But I think after the first round, we can. Yeah, it's a lot easier to say that I don't think they're as big of threats as um, we initially. I almost thought. wonder if we overthink things sometimes. Like this season, we're like, oh, the Warriors are gone. Durant is hurt. Like there's the the floodgates have opened. There's more of these two star teams. No more super teams, right? And so we were like, there's eight teams with a legitimate chance of winning the title. Yeah. And there's never eight teams. Um, yeah. Maybe we really just did overthink this, which is – Yeah. It's like LeBron and Kawhi are the two best guys in the league. They're not going to be on the same level of title contender as the Nuggets or the Rockets. 
um, some of the teams that were being thrown in there. Though the flip argument of that is like on the East, Giannis would be in that conversation of like the Bucks are head and shoulders above the rest because of Giannis, and we haven't seen that to be the case. So, yep. Um, but you know, like we've talked about a bunch, the difference between regular season playoffs is amplified so much more these days, and I feel like even in the bubble, it's it's taken it to a whole nother level. Let's quickly chat Raptors Celtics. So Celtics took a 2-0 lead. They dominated Game One. Um, had a crazy fourth quarter comeback in game two, led by five threes from Marcus Smart in the fourth, which is almost not quite Lou Dort, 30 points in a game seven level, but close, close to that um, in terms of probability. But the Raptors to me are an extremely well-coached team who will have a high win total because they play hard. They play disciplined. They don't take nights off. They don't take anyone for granted. But when you really go look at that top end talent, guys like Kyle Lowry, the reason why I've never been on as high as on him as others is he makes winning plays, which is fine. But when you're talking about stars, it needs to be talked about in a different tone than you're talking about role players. And sometimes it feels like Lowry gets star treatment for role player type play. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think Siakam can be similar. And these, these guys just aren't like, they're not at the Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum level, and that much is very clear. And other than that, it's probably fairly even, but your two best are just not as good as their two best. It comes down to that. It comes down to this is a team that's always going to have a high floor. Um, now, everyone knew the ceiling gets lowered considerably without Kawhi, but I think this – and but I don't want to overreact too much to the Raptors because that five three-pointer stretch by Marcus Smart was insane. Like, watching that game – I could not believe that he hit he reeled off five in a row. Um and he's had moments where you know, I think he hit twelve threes in the game once. Like he uh he's had moments of streaky three point shooting, but the game flipped, a game that Toronto should have won. So this series could have easily been one and one one and one. But I totally agree to your point. It, at the end of the day, the hope for Toronto was Pascal Siakam blossoms into that player. And Nick Nurse very intentionally put Siakam in situations where he can play that one A role. Mm-hmm. Puts him in situations where he's given the ball and asked to do something with it. And I think what we've learned is that he is not that guy. Um, right. He's still very limited. He had a breakout season this year. You know, he was averaging 23 points a game. But in the bubble, in the playoffs, he's not been performing that well. Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet are still stepping up and taking a lot of the big shots. Um, and that's what's capping the ceiling on this team. Like you said, they don't have that a go-to guy and Boston's got three guys they're confident in Tatum and Walker, obviously, but even Jalen Brown is fearless and yeah. creating plays down the stretch. So uh, just by that alone, I think it, it looks like it's Boston's series, but and um, this isn't an indictment on Toronto, right? Because I think our expectations have like risen tremendously from the start of the season to now where we're judging them harshly because of how good they were this season. Yeah. But they did lose Kawhi Leonard. Like that can't be overstated yeah. enough. And Danny Green. And so you're working in two fifths of your rotation, including the best player in basketball. Again, I just want to put that out there. Um, 
And it's going to require a major adjustment period. Like Siakam's not just going to go from the two to the one and suddenly be taking on Jason Tatum, who was groomed for this role for three years. He's not going to, you know, be able to average 25, 30 a game while also locking down the best guy on the other side. Lowry is 33 years old. He is who he is. Um, He's a supporting cast, very, very good supporting cast player, but he's not going to suddenly become Kyrie because Kawhi's gone. Um, they're going to win a lot of games and they'll win a lot of games next year. But I don't know. Maybe maybe we got too caught up in the win percentage um, and how dominant they look versus mediocre or below average teams and didn't actually think about the fact that whenever they played Boston this year, it wasn't necessarily pretty. Um, no. And Boston had their number for sure. Yeah. And Nurse doesn't have... Even if you say Nurse is the best coach in the league, which I think both of us think he is, he doesn't have the coaching advantage over Brad Stevens like he he would over Scott Brooks, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that 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 shows up because Stevens has played pushed all the right buttons, like playing Robert Williams over Enos Cantor, like being able to put the ball in the hands of Smart, like getting Smart to just absolutely be a dog on defense, like all these kinds of things, like. He's pushing all the right buttons. I think Nurse is going to have some really interesting adjustments that he's going to bring back tomorrow. But that's a must win, obviously. So Toronto is a kitchen sink game for them. I would think they're going to win tomorrow is my guess because I don't think this is going to be like a sweep. But it's all or nothing for them now. Yeah, uh, they need they definitely need game three. And I think we. We got I got high on the Toronto hype. And the funny because at the beginning of the year, I also said that they were going to blow it up. They were going to ship everyone out. This team was going to be an under on the win, win loss. But yeah. um, it's they're they're kind of like the old Toronto team, where always a high floor, always a great regular season winning percentage. And I think what, what's misleading about this version is they played Milwaukee really well. And so, you know, I I start to think of them as a kind of a sleeper. Maybe they can beat Milwaukee, but then you forget that Boston. They struggled really against Boston. Yeah. And even against Milwaukee, I don't know, some of these issues would surface, right? Regardless of the fact that they played them well in the regular season. So I I don't expect them to come back and win the series. I think they'll make it tough just because they're that kind of a team. But um, Boston has really impressed me. I, I, I do have to say that they, like you said, Stevens is pushing all the right buttons. Um, and Kemba's been incredible. Kemba, for all those worries about his knee, he has looked. He's looked good. That, you know, cardiac step Kemba. Back. So. The step back was is too clean. So if he's playing like that, right, they don't even need Hayward to to rush back. They're um, they're in a good spot. But yeah, that's the other thing. I didn't even think about Hayward. Right, he's probably a week into a four week recovery at this point. Week and a half into a four week recovery. Yeah. That's likely just given the pace of the games that are being played. That's probably not till close to the end of the conference finals or maybe the start of the finals. I would think, yep. depending on how long some of these series go, but. He never, I mean, he's a different player now post ankle injury, but he never felt as important as I think his stature, his salary, his minutes indicate. Oh, yeah. To me, Definitely. it's all Tatum, Walker, Brown, and Smart. Those are the four most important players. You're getting even when just there. decent contributions from Hayward, um, you know, efficient shooting. 12 to 14, some additional defense on the wing. Like, you're happy. At, at yeah, this some point, good secondary not, playmaking. Like, that's yeah, all he's getting. Like, he basically could soak up some of the Brad Wanamaker semi-Ojale minutes. Exactly. Um, yeah. 
you don't have and to then you're not worried into. about what's that you don't have to go that deep into a rotation you can exactly through. yeah yeah um yeah man i think it's going to be a fun weekend because we're finally going to get all the second rounds kicked off i think uh clippers nuggets celtics raptors tomorrow then lakers rockets and then bucks heat on friday by i would say the end of the weekend we should have a very good idea what's what's going to shake out for the conference finals i'm excited man this is when it starts to get really good yeah Uh, it's the second round especially in the lakers clippers Although those series we're not too high on, it'll still tell us a lot about those teams in terms of how those series go. So. Yep. Before we go, NFL starts next Thursday. You got any predictions for the fans? Super Bowl picks? I'm not going to say the Bucks because I'm not going to try to jinx it. They did get Leonard Fournette today, so they're putting an all-star roster. Um, you, know, you know what's funny? I, sorry, one minor tangent. I'm starting to worry about they're getting all these star players. They're getting all this hype. If someone sees me out in public repping a Bucks hat or a Bucks jersey, they're gonna think I'm a fraud. Yeah. Like you can't wear the Brady one. That's why you have to, I have have to have pull to... out the the Josh Freeman jersey and rock that just to prove that I'm a diehard. I was about to say Josh Freeman or Winston are the only two you're allowed to wear. Maybe Levante David. Yeah, but Levante David's still good. I need a so. Anyways, that's like my big concern now. It's like oh crap, the expectations are too high. We got too much talent. But Super Bowl picks. Uh, I don't know, man. I've I'll go. I'll go with the boring one. I'll go with the Chiefs again. Um, Who are I'll, they going to beat? Do you NFC. think the Bucks are actually have a chance? Uh, I think we'll have a chance. I don't know. There's too many, too many question marks. But I think we'll be ten and six, eleven and five. And the thing is, this year it's going to be about who gets the one seed because they're the only ones that get the buy. Yeah. Well, the buy. There's no fan. If there's no fans, what does it matter? You just don't play for a week. Oh, sorry. Bye. I think you meant home, home field advantage. You're right. There might be fans by January. There's a vaccine coming the day before the election. Well, we'll see, man. I mean, Bucks fans are already from losing Russia it. to a ballot box near you. <laughs> um, what are your predictions? Who do you think is going to win it? So it is hard to pick against the Chiefs, but I, I, you know, it's also very, very hard to repeat. I don't know who's done it other than the patriots since the elway broncos right so i think the ravens have a really good shot i think lamar has been unfairly criticized he's only 22 and he's had a couple bad playoff experiences but he's so young um i could see baltimore and then as a sleeper team um let me go with the pittsburgh steelers wow that is a deep sleep who have a championship defense and finally get a real quarterback back in the rotation with Big Ben, who, yes, people are saying he's 38, whatever, but what we've seen is these guys don't age. Like, it doesn't even matter. Breeze, Brady, Rodgers, Ryan, they're all 36 and up. Yeah, man, we'll see. I don't know. But definitely looking forward to the NFL season. Um, Can't wait for it to start. But that wraps up this week's episode. Um, For all of you listening, remember to subscribe. We're on all major platforms. Uh, and send us questions to thickandthinhoops at gmail.com. Send us your thoughts in the games. And we will talk to you next week. Bye.